welcome to the Beervana Show. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting into it. We join you from the studios of X-Ray FM here in the Falcon Art Building in beautiful North Portland. We either join you on the radio airwaves or on your favorite podcast streaming service. Excellent. Yes. That's pretty good. See? I like that. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to not limit ourselves by calling us the Beer Vana Podcast. We're now the Beer Vana Show. We are. And you can find it on different venues. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll be on Netflix. <laughs> yes we have faces for tv for sure oh boy well they'll like animate us you know uh, they'll they make are. those things <laughs> let me <laughs> oh there's the little bald one and there's the one with full head of hair we'll get no we'll get like the bojack horseman people to do it and like you'll be a horse and i'll be a donkey or something i'll definitely be a goat you'll be a goat yeah, yeah. i wonder yeah that's a good question what I, i'd like to be one of those um those uh what are those things from china that they're talking about with the coronavirus oh pangolin is that how you pronounce it? Pangolin? Yeah, I think so. They're really Those are sweet. Cool. That was loud. That was loud. That was Sorry. loud. Uh, it's called Do Not Disturb. Sorry. You put it on your phone and then that doesn't happen. I thought we were on silent mode. <laughs> All right. With me as always is Jeff Allworth, author of, the se- of several books, including The Beer Bible and The Widmer Way. And with me is Patrick Emerson, professor of economics at Oregon State University, our Oregon State University. Go Beeves. Go Beeves. So, by the way, I meant to ask you about this. You took a little um, jaunt in uh, Seattle recently. I did, yeah. And we haven't actually talked about that. Uh, Sally and I went up there because we have this uh, period where I have a birthday. Three weeks later, she has a birthday. And we usually, in the middle of that, go do something fun. Okay, so tell me, please tell me that you went to Machine House. I did not. (sighs) No, it was it, it was killing mo- me, killing it was, me. It was mostly a, a, a Sally thing, so we did Sally not. Sally would like it. We did not. Uh, we did not do a lot of beer stuff. However, we oh. were staying very close to Cloudburst, so we uh, stopped in for Cloudburst, and that was nice. And you know what they had on? Is it Cloudburst or Cloudbreaker? Cloudburst. Oh, Cloudburst. Cloudburst yes. Yeah. I don't know why I think it's oh Stormbreaker. That's why I'm getting confused. Okay, yeah, Cloudburst. Cloudburst is awesome. You know what they had on? Dark mile. Tell me. Oh. And it was spectacular. <laughs> see, see, what's going on in Seattle that can't that's not happening in Portland? Why not? Come <laughs> I, on. I know. It was amazing. <sighs> I mean, I also I went to we, we had uh we went out for dinner to this at yeah, this really nice place. Um Seattle has banging good food. I have to say, I, I've gotten a little complacent about how Portland's got the best food in the world, but man, Seattle yeah. is Seattle's bringing the heat. Yeah. Um in and fact, one of the and we were we were staying in Belltown, so downtown. And it, Cloudburst owns downtown. And so I was having a really? lot of Cloudburst. Yeah. Oh, good for them. It was fantastic. And I was having mostly the IPAs. But then when you go to the brewery, uh, they had a strong export Irish stout, which mm-hmm. was amazing. Sally had that and I had the Dark Mile. So they're, yeah. they're kind of like doing other stuff. So it's, yeah. It's I mean, great. that was when we visited them a few years ago now. That was kind of the deal. It's a small, it's a tiny little brewery downtown. And they were basically just sort of trucking their, their kegs around to local restaurants. So that right. was that was how their business was going. It was all based on sort of personal connections and these um and a, and as they described at the time a very good reception among local restaurant tours to their beer. I have to tell you it's we awesome. went the first place we went was this uh, Basque place that did paella. Yes. And I had this amazing paella nice. and it and I had one of their uh their uh, their IPAs, which was uh, it was a modern IPA with a lot of tropical notes, but uh-huh. it had a, it had a lot of high citrus uh-huh. like little 
sparkles of citrus. And it worked so well with that paella. I can't tell you how good it was. In fact, I about halfway through, I said, Sal, you got you to gotta try how. You're making me so hungry. It worked oh, so well. And she had, she had gone wine because, you know, that's more typical. Yes. Nice. She had a nice uh, hearty kind of jammy. Uh, I'm not sure it was Spanish, but it was a, it was reminded me of a Rioja. It was, it was a really nice, uh, it was type appropriate. Right. And yet that American IPA, it did better. So yeah. sorry. Sorry, sorry, Spain. We we got you covered. We we know how to we know how to make amazing beer for your food. It's kind of true that if you're going to describe that, you know, in fact, you uh, you and I and our wives went to a, a little paella house here in in Portland. But I would say that that's the one thing you could kind of criticize, which is now out of business. Is that right? Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, see, there you go. See, here's my point, which yeah. is that the one thing you can kind of criticize is that we're not super international, right? Um, we, you know, there's decent, decent Asian food here, as you might expect, because mm-hmm. West Coast. But yeah, we do lack a lot of sort of traditional European, for example, uh, uh, foods. Indeed. So I think a bigger, bigger city like Seattle probably beats us on that. But yeah, if if you're living anywhere else in the world, I mean, the Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, triumvirate is worth a trip in itself. I was also really impressed. Amazing with- food, amazing beer, amazing wine. Yeah. Amazing everything. I was really impressed with the prices. Uh, relatively inexpensive food downtown Seattle. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That, that, that does surprise me, actually. Me too. Yeah. Seattle's Seattle's great. Traffic sucks, but everything else goes <laughs> Yeah. It seems I'm like actually it. going to Seattle a lot, but I don't ever go. I don't ever stop because I'm schlepping my stupid kid who likes soccer. And... Uh, we took the train. I have no idea what the traffic was like. Yeah. So, By the way, beautiful. is the train on the old route still? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the good route. Yeah. That's the scenic one. I don't care about 20 minutes. Give I know. Me, give me, just troll me along the Puget Sound any day. Okay. Uh, maybe we should get back to, <laughs> back to our podcast. Uh, before we get started though, I'd like to thank Breakside Brewery for sponsoring this episode of the Beer Vana podcast. You can find them in Slabtown, Woodlawn, and Milwaukee, Oregon or at breakside.com. That's Milwaukee with an IE. That's right. Just south of the city. Just south. And of they're the just city. just south of the city. They're they're basically in Portland but like yeah, right over the edge. By the way, they were one of the first movers into slab into the whole new Slabtown redevelopment, uh, which is a fantastic place. Definitely uh-huh. worth visiting. A great a great uh, brew pub there. Um, but that man, Slabtown is just like exploded. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. It just rose up out of nothing. I mean, <laughs> so quickly. Out, it was one of these kind of filler neighborhoods that was yeah. mostly a parking lot yeah. for more relevant neighborhoods. And <laughs> right. so it was kind of like homesteading. Somebody realized, oh my God, look at all this amazing land. Let's just take over these parking lots. And now it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. It used to be sort of like the safe place if you if you couldn't find anywhere to park in Northwest 21st, 23rd area. Right. You were willing, you, you which, didn't mind walking a Which is supposed to be called Knob Hill, but now they've rebranded it something else that I don't no, I still call it Knob Hill. Yeah. Anyway, if you're trying to find parking in Knob Hill, you just go over towards the slab town and then you have plenty of parking. Now, no way, man. No. There's more people there than there is in Knob Hill. So, yeah, anyway. parking's terrible. All right. <laughs> but, but wait a minute. But, but that's, we're not doing a good job like shilling for breakdown, uh, breakside. Uh, there's definitely parking. You'll find it. Go there and go to the, go to the slab town brewery because it's pretty cool. And the course of the Woodlawn is a classic. It, the truth is, I do. St- I do go to Slabtown relatively often, and I always get a parking place, even though the parking's terrible, so you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I agree. Okay. Yeah. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to actually take a cue from the mailbag last week. Uh, John from the mailbag last week, if you're listening, this one's for you. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a look at a topic of some confusion, aging beer. 
A decade ago, everybody was doing it, and aged bottles were fetching hundreds of dollars online. Modern juicy IPAs have reset our expectations about age, however, prompting a renewed focus on freshness. In this episode, we'll look at the process for aging, uh, process of aging and what happens chemically inside the bottle, and which beers are suited for cellaring. All that next, but first, of course, the news. Let's turn today's news over to one item. Last week, the annual Oregon Beer Awards were announced. It is the biggest competition in Oregon and one that really matters to the brewers who enter. Winners were selected by 95 judges, including my co-host. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, From nearly 1,300 beers submitted by 106 breweries. The somewhat unusual competition only has 30 categories as opposed to 107 of the, J- of the Great American Beer Festival, and the majority of the judges are professional brewers. That makes it, in many ways, a peer-reviewed blind t- tasting, and bragging rights are always at stake. Uh, Breakside, Culmination, and Immersion, a brewery in Bend, won Best Breweries of the Year in the Large, Medium, and Small categories. And the night's nice big winners were uh, Breakside with 12 medals, uh, Ten Barrel Brewing with 7, and Sun River with 5 although a number of other breweries to also took home multiple meadows, medals. And because we know that what you really care about is IPAs, uh, <laughs> Fort George Fanzine IPA, which is a, a beer that's actually not out yet. It's going to be really soon. Uh, right, well, this is good, good promo for it. That's right. They took gold um, uh-huh. along with Culmination's Drone Logic, uh, which took gold in the hazy, so uh, regular and hazy. And then culmination course, in the hazy. Yeah, yeah, culmination in the hazy. Who would have known? There you go. And of course, uh, the other category we really care about is Pilsner, and our friends Freem Family Brewers with their flagship Pilsner uh, took the gold. There. Yeah, and you and I were talking before we, we before we started recording that um, uh, Breakside's old, just Breakside IPA that's been around forever now mm-hmm. took silver. Right, like it, you know, ten years. What is it? Ten years old or something? Yeah, I mean, yeah. ten years on, and it's still it's still modern in that sense. Yeah. That's I, that's amazing. I do know they've tuned that recipe up, but it, you know, it's still. Well, it, that's what you should do, right? That's, that's exactly That's right. clever. You yeah, know, you should is. always just keep tweaking it. Not so much that it's not, it, that, that it's unrecognizable to the drinker, but enough that each year it stays fresh. The truth is I haven't had a regular Breakside IPA in a dog's age because I always drink Wanderlust. So if I got a choice, I go Wanderlust. Oh, and and I, gotta I, go, I gotta go back and try the IPA. And I always go, what, what ref B? So I also haven't had that in years <laughs> uh, because I always started thinking, because any beer that's been around for a couple of years, I always start start to think now that, oh yeah, yeah it's old school. Yeah. <laughs> but now I gotta, reach out, I gotta try it again. Cause uh, I don't know. Oh, so, so you were one of the judges. I was. Uh, you've been a judge for many years. I have. I imagine, I've never been, so I don't know. But I imagine because it's such a tight, tight-knit community that, that's one of the reasons it really matters to brewers. Like the, this is being judged by your peers. and Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the fact that uh, all the brewers that we talk about, many of whom we've had on the show, uh, are the people who are judging the beers. When I, I, I did, uh, the way they, they do it is there's, uh, it's done on a weekend. There's mm-hmm. a morning session, an afternoon session, both days. And you're, you're uh, put, there's, and you'll do three rounds during each of those sessions. Mm-hmm. And in the morning and the noon, you're with one group. So you're with uh, it's typically five people. Right. Uh, and in uh, uh, both, uh, all, I just did two sessions. I did the afternoon. I no longer do the whole day because I'm an <laughs> old man and I'm not getting up at nine o'clock in the morning to drink beer. Uh, 
Um, but in both cases, oh, uh, soft. I was there. I was a man, There were more. There were uh, three or four brewers, depending on which one we're looking at, uh-huh. uh, and and then. Uh, one or two flunkies. Non- yeah, flunkies. <laughs> and I, you know, I think that really matters because you yeah. look around the room and you see uh, all the people you really admire, uh, the brewers, and then it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a cool homecoming for them too. But also, you know, um, there's bragging rights. There's real bragging rights. Yeah. I mean, they, they feel like this is, they're all, they're all there and they, they would like to, you know, I assume like there's some, I assume there's some prohibition on, on judging a category in which you've entered beer. That's right. So, uh, it takes a long time. Yeah. There's a big lead time where they have to get all the beer and then they have to assign the judges right. so that they're never at a table where their beer is being judged. That's okay. right. Yeah. So, and that does some logistics. So involved. tell me just briefly, uh, how you approach judging beer. Like what's your what's your method and, and and what do you think what's going through your head? Well, this beer this ca- uh, competition is cool and unusual because the goal is to find the best beer at the table, mm-hmm. not to find the beer that most closely resembles the style guidelines. Oh, okay, yeah, that's nice. I do like that. Yeah, yeah. and that was very intentional. So yeah. in the in, in other category other competitions like the GABF or or other beer competitions, you're going to be focused very tightly on how well the beer hues to the particular style that's right and so many times you'll choose a beer that is more uh that hits more of the marks but is a less interesting beer right uh another beer might might be something that you'd much rather drink but uh you don't choose it and but but that brings up a question who's the gatekeeper like can i just give my badass hazy ipa and submit it to a pilsner no, category because it <laughs> has, it's awesome it does have to fit in the category okay and, and these categories do say you know if you especially where there where there could be confusion um there there's different uh, sour categories for mm-hmm. example and so some of them are barrel aged, some of them are lactobacillus and mm-hmm. and if you enter it in the wrong one you you do just get eliminated because you you got to put it in the you know you don't put your I your see. your kettle sour in the barrel age it's just it's just wrong so there are some so there is some there are some guidelines there, but probably most people are pretty good at self-selecting. And well, yeah, it's interesting. There's a discussion, so everybody goes through. The way it works is everybody goes through and tastes their beer. Uh-huh. You have something on the order of nine to twelve beers per session, uh-huh. and then you start talking about them. Ah, so this is interesting. Yeah, is this how it works in all? Uh, Generally, it, so I haven't done a huge. I don't judge for the GABF. I'm not sure how they do it there, uh, but yeah, uh, when I've done judging. For, ah. for this and other uh, competitions, yeah, you, you, you begin to talk because people will have different impressions. Right. And um, then you get you start to get a sense of where the crowd is and, and somebody may well point out something that other people didn't catch, uh, positive or negative, and that right. will change your impression. So. I, su- I, I suppose the, um, the, the, the for and against arguments are that, that for it is you sort of, you know, you, you are able to capitalize on the, collective knowledge of the group mm-hmm. and so as you say if someone misses something you can bring it up oh yeah you're right and have another taste and all that uh on the other hand it it's I, I suppose could be subject to the whim of sort of a strong personality who who really likes one beer and really pushes it hard or something yeah and there's a captain at the table and the captain it's the captain's job to rein that stuff in oh interesting yeah so the captain will uh if somebody's being quiet uh a good captain will elicit their impressions right um make sure that that everybody's being heard but in the end it's a consensus you guys all decide 
Yeah, uh, together and, exactly what the order is, and who, it can get the gold, silver, and bronze. That's right, and it can get hairy. So there's <laughs> there's there's sessions. So you have prelim round, you have initial rounds, you have prelims, uh, you, have, okay. you know, and then final round. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we got to a point where we had to do a, a thing where, um, I think uh, in one we had five four or five beers mm-hmm. and we were all over the place so we had to sit down and create a grid and just oh, okay you know yeah. total it up and yeah and agree we just couldn't come we just so we just kind of finally had to say okay here we go yeah and this goes to show that uh had there been different judges at the table different beers might have come out so yeah, there is a of course there is a um an element of uh subjectivity to this so if you don't win an award you know, it's because you had the wrong judge, uh, yeah. or you made a bad beer. But if you made a great beer and you didn't win an award, um, you know, submit it next year and you may win because right. you might have different judges. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, where does it take place? Uh, at the Melita. So Melitas is a distributor here in Portland, right. and they have this wonderful new facility that they built a few years ago. Uh, and okay. so they have this big open space right. uh, that we all go uh, gather in. And, yeah, nice. It's good, nice. Good time had by all. It's a great time. It, it's cool for me too. I, I like a lot of the people in the industry. So I like to see them and judge with them. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the nice things about what you do particularly, but also I, you know, I tag along uh, that it's largely, uh, uh, um, I was, <laughs> I was kind of used, wait a minute, what can I say on this podcast? Uh, uh, the industry is filled with mostly nice, nice people. I've, I've rarely yeah. met someone I didn't like a, That's lot, right. a lot in the, in the business. Yeah. A lot of cool, a lot of cool people. Very. And it's good for me as a writer because I get to hear how brewers think about beer and mm-hmm. they think about it differently than consumers and they focus in on different things, technical aspects, uh, aspects of ingredient and technique. Um, and that's helpful for me as a writer. So I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I do consider myself a flunky. Uh, I know you were joking, <laughs> but actually I do feel that way because the brewers really hone in on the things that, uh, yeah, but uh, you, you know, know consumers I, I, wouldn't. But I think there's, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for having people like you along as well. Not just the people who are just so deep into it that they taste like particular flavors that other people might not even care about, right? So right. So and I'm good. usually they usually throw me on the at least one time on on some of the traditional things, so I can say, well, this should have, this should be made this way, and this doesn't seem very typical, or this style. Some a lot of times people will not be familiar with an obscure historical style, so yeah. I can have some virtue. So last summer we went to Bend and we visited a lot of places, but not Immersion. And I never heard of Immersion before. Me neither. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, they were the, the, uh, best breweries of the year for small breweries. So there you go Immersion. I'll have to, I'll have to look out for your beer. Once again, uh, Bend as a region cleaned up too. And I don't have the stats, but there were, uh, there's 30 categories, so 90 awards. And I think Bend took home like a third of the awards <laughs> wow. for a city with a hundred thousand people. So yeah, band, cool. band is tough, man. <laughs> it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing how much beer is there for such a small town. All right. Well, should we move on to the main topic? Let's do it. We have, uh, we have a lot to get through. So yeah. Okay. So the topic today, if you've forgotten, you might because you're going on so much is uh, aging beer. So Jeff, tell us about aging beer. Yeah. So it's possible to age beer, uh, mm-hmm. which many people know about, um, but it's it's uh, kind of a crapshoot. And um, particularly now that we're really focused on hops, I think everyone's aware of how uh, modern IPAs are kind of like milk. You know, you fresher the better. You, yes. <laughs> you really don't want to let it sit around very long. Um, and so it's it, it's one of these things of uh, how do you – how do you – 
judge whether a beer will improve with age or get worse than it with right. age because for the most part uh beer will get worse with age and and i actually have uh, a couple of quotes here that i want to start out with all right just to kind of situate us in the literature <laughs> uh so these are two quotes from technical papers uh which i don't actually have the site for but if you if you're dying for them ping me and I'll find it for you. Um, but they're both illustrative of what we're dealing with. So the first one describes the nature of beer when it is freshly packaged in a bottle or a keg and arrives uh, outside the brewery. Mm-hmm. The constituents of freshly bottled beer, I guess in this case bottled beer, uh, are not in chemical equilibrium, not in chemical equilibrium. Thermodynamically, a bottle of beer is a closed system and will thus strive to reach a status of minimal minimal energy and maximal entropy. Mm-hmm. So like a fresh plate that comes uh, straight off the uh, out of the oven or off the skillet and is handed to you, mm-hmm. the moment that it arrives in front of you, it is it, similar to beer. It is going to taste better than if you let it sit there for an hour. Right. It will continue the react the chemical reactions will continue to happen and things will fall out of um uh, the freshness and character right and the same thing happens in a beer so the breweries work very hard to create all the flavors they want place them right where they want and then because you've got chemistry and biochemistry still ex- happening in that bottle right. they will go towards maximal entropy which, <laughs> like which we, yeah which we'll discuss what that looks like later but it's typically not good for beer <laughs> um, and and anyone who's had an old ipa uh and felt like it's dull and kind of has some weird off flavors yep that's that's the entropy um so in a different technical paper um the the writers describe what happens uh this process that that happens flavor deterioration is the result of both formation and degradation reactions formations of molecules at concentrations above their respective flavor thresholds leads to noticeable effects uh, while degradation of molecules to concentrations below the flavor threshold may cause loss of initial fresh beer flavors Mm -hmm. furthermore interactions between different aroma volatiles may enhance or suppress the flavor impact of other molecules so you know, you, you, you place all these things together right. and all the good flavors are right where they want to be and all the the other flavors are in lower amounts and right. then it kind of just, yeah, yeah. just kind of, uh, it relaxes into a new shape and some of the flavors you want go away and some of the flavors you don't want come on. Right. So uh, that's basically what you're up against. However, in certain beers, the cool thing is in certain beers, that process works for you rather than against you. Right. Like 99% of the time, no, works against you. Yeah. But there's a few times, few cases where it works for you. Um, and I think, should we should we start drinking? Like, yeah. Let's, we should definitely start, start drinking. But I was just going to say, uh, apropos of that, is that, you know, there's a lot of times winemaking is an example where, you know, the, you need more chemistry to happen over time yeah. to sort of round out those flavors, blend those flavors, create these, the, the, the pleasant experience you're looking for. Uh, not often in beer, but there are some beers in which that's true. That's right. And, and we have three here where I'm hoping that's true. And, <laughs> and, and one probably that I pulled out of my cellar, which is probably too much of a good thing. It's probably too old. So we'll see what that's about. But the first thing I'm going to try is a beer uh, from Goose Island called uh, Co- the Cooper Project. So the Cooper is refers to the, the wood 
uh, and it's a Scotch ale that was made in 2017. So this thing is uh, coming on. Well, it's, it's like three years old. Yeah. Uh, and it is a big boozy beer that is made uh, that was barrel aged, so it has big boozy notes. And the they sent me two bottles of this, <laughs> and the first one I opened right away. And this right. is something I will do, and it's something worth doing if you're if you're considering aging things to find out when you open the bottle uh if it already tastes fantastic right probably not a good candidate to age right uh, what you're looking for is something that has rough edges too much hops because mm -hmm. hops will go away right the booziness is too strong yes um things like that sharp edges yeah sharp edges you right. feel like maybe it could use a it could relax a little yeah and that this beer was like that yeah so and and three years is actually not a bad length of time so there's a decent chance this is going to be a tasty beer. All right. So let's give it a shot. Yeah, and we should mention as we go along just that, you know, you and I are quite different. You have a you have a cellar with lots of shells, and you, you have a lot of beers down there that you've been aging. And I can just not be arsed. For <laughs> to, 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 it just annoys me. Uh, I hate keeping track of it. Uh, I'm not... Um, a, uh, my preferred beers typically aren't the beers that do well in aging anyway. Right. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's interesting. Aging might not be for you, but if you're interested in doing it, and then we're going to tell you how and what. All right. So one thing that can happen is uh, carbonation can go away, particularly if the cap doesn't. Uh, yeah, this one's good. Doesn't go well, but here uh, you can hear the fizz. Yeah. Uh, aged Scotch ale. So. Um, as beer ages, uh, one thing that can happen is it can get cloudy. Uh, so when you when you decant a beer, one way to tell if it's like not in great great shape uh -huh. is uh, if it pours out and it's kind of cloudy. Yeah. Now, if you know if it started out cloudy, obviously it's not a problem. But right. um, this one is nice and bright. It is. Yes. So that's good. It's good got, looking. It's got good carbonation good, still. Good carbonation, which indicates that probably the cap was good. So that's all good. Yeah. So it has, so we're going to talk. Um, By the way, you mentioned that uh, good candidates, when you had that first beer, is that what you felt? That's what I felt. Okay. I felt, oh, this, I should, I should uh, save this other bottle and okay. see what happens. Right. The brewery sent me this, these bottles, which is why these, these ones I have. Yeah. I doubt you can even buy these in Oregon, but the brewery sent them to me. So two things really affect aging. One is, uh, heat and, uh, what, I just went completely blank. There. And oxida oxidization. Uh, oh yeah, ox yeah, oxygen. That's yes. Thank you. So the two things that will really damage your beer are the expression on your face. By the way, was <laughs> was priceless. Yeah, that's a I had a senior moment there. I was really bad. You were just rolling along, and then suddenly just blankness. Yeah, they were right in my brain, and then it just it was gone. You had the like deer a, in the headlights. Yeah, it was a bad. All right, oxygen and heat. Yes. Tell us about those things being bad. So heat, it turns out, Tom, our friend Tom Shellhammer down in OSU did uh, has done a recent uh, bit of study on uh, fresh beer mm -hmm. to find out what is more damaging, particularly to uh, dry hopped beer. Right. Is it uh, the oxygen levels inside the bottle, which mm -hmm. um, is a big problem because oxygen creates chemical reactions. The more right. oxygen you have in there, the more the chemical reactions you have. And those chemical reactions will accelerate this staling process, yeah. this, this problem. Yeah. Uh, or uh, heat, which also when you add heat to a beer, you're speeding up the chemical reactions, right? So that's another thing. And it, would you care to guess? One of these has a bigger impact. Would you care to guess which it is? Oh, 
Really? Yeah. Uh, well, that's, they, both, they both have an effect, but one has a more profound effect. Well, it's a little bit of a loaded question because I imagine if you turn up the heat enough, but I'm going to say oxygen. I think most people thought it was oxygen and it's not like they're boiling them. I think it's just uh, bringing it up to, you know, normal, normal, yeah. like not, yeah, not, I, I didn't actually study the paper that closely. I've, <laughs> I've heard the results pointed out, but I don't remember the details about how, 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 but the point is it. it's not oxygen. It's not oxygen. It's actually heat. No, oh, okay. And so when you're cellaring your beers, you I want sure it, it's cool. Yeah, you want to be you want it to be cool, but you also don't want it to be icy cold, right? Because the whole point is for this beer to evolve. Right. So if you put it in the fridge, it's going to evolve really slowly. Right. And if your intention is yeah, if your intention is to let these flavors develop, then you actually don't want it to be ice. You want so basically, be, the same kind of thing as wine. You want kind of wine cellar temperatures exactly. 50, in the in the mid fifties or something. That's right. Okay. So this beer Fahrenheit for those of you in the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not antiquated. With fifty, I know this. Fifty is ten. Ten C. Okay, ten C. Yeah, ten, eleven. Go. Maybe you can get eleven, twelve, possibly, but nine. Nine. Yeah, you're you're good. <laughs> uh, so oxidation is is the big thing that really affects these on the palate, and you can smell the oxidation here. And the the thing that you're looking for. So this beer is uh, kind of a dark amber mm -hmm. yeah um and darker malts will tend to harmonize with oxidative flavors better mm. so oxidation in lighter beers comes off as wet cardboard yeah. paper uh -huh. and it's typically not pleasant yeah uh, but in a beer like this you get more of the sherry dark fruits stuff going on right. and i'm getting that here uh -huh. it's nice so what do, what do you think of this? a good oxidation oxid oxidation oxidization Oxidation. Oxidation. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Glad we got that straight. Uh, I actually quite like it. Yeah, I do too. Mm. It was the booze. So it's not a, it's not a. Uh, yeah, I'm sensitive to booziness and, and it's big. It's 8.7%. Yeah. Okay. There you go. It, it It's not a hoppy beer. It was not hoppy. No. It was the, it was the, uh, uh, the, the cask, the, the booze in the cask that made it. It was, this is often the case when you put beer uh, in a, uh, liquor barrel. Yeah. Is you have both flavors there, but they're not, they're not harmonized, right? Yes. You can taste the beer and you can taste the liquor. So you yes. can maybe, maybe it's bourbon and it tastes like a boiler maker. Yeah. I run away from bourbon barrel aged beers almost always because of that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm really sensitive to it and I really don't like it. I yeah. really find it off putting, but that one is mellowed enough that I'm getting those kind of, um, uh, you know, I don't know what you experts would call it, but I would not candy notes, but sort of like the chocolatey mm -hmm. kind of a sweet notes that come from the bourbon, but they aren't like in your face. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're sort of chocolate caramel. Neither of those descriptors are quite right, but you, you get it. That sweetness that comes through the bourbon. That's right. Um, let's talk about what happens since you bring it up. Um, okay. I'm going to run through a list of stuff that uh, I've compiled from various sources. And there's a lot of, so this is, we don't have enough time to go into the chemical reactions that are happening here. Okay. Uh, which is good because I only have a tenuous <laughs> grasp on them. But, um, but, but this information is out there and, and it's really cool. Now we have access to all these technical papers and you can find them. And I actually looked through a long technical paper and there's uh, carb carbonyls and carbonyls or whatever and all these yeah those things the, all these chemical compounds that you can read about that that cause these things but uh in general what happens is 
uh, bitterness decreases, so hop bitterness will decrease. So if you have a big American barley one, that's a good sure. thing. Yeah. Uh, harshness increases, 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 and this is kind of a technical thing that uh, researchers talk about, okay. and I, and I and I I I think that it is a little bit misleading. All right. Um, but there are there are some notes that are a little tannic, right. so those things will pop. A oh, little okay. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, fruity and floral esters decrease. Okay. So if you've got a nice English, uh, 4% English ale that you're, one of the things you really love about it is that, that wonderful English yeast, that's going to go away. Right. Uh, <laughs> so there's cat, there's a word in, in the, in the beer literature, which has been around a century, <laughs> uh, called reebs, which is, uh, always described as black current mm-hmm. character, sure. which doesn't make any sense. But but now more and more people are starting to qualify it as catty. So it's it's a kind of uh, ammonia cat urine smell. Ew, yeah, yeah. So that will that in, increases. That can increase. That's bad. So all of these are can, can you know can or, or uh, uh, they don't in in well done things you're not right. going to get cat urine right yeah. so that's not what something you want but it can happen so wet paper and cardboard character increases that's oxidation right again doesn't always happen and doesn't always happen badly. Bready character increases. So this is a, a, a thing that's happening with the chemical compounds that are turning the uh, the, the the malt flavors mm-hmm. into a more bready flavor. Okay. Uh, sweetness um, will increase into flavors like toffee and honey. And I think well, that's one of the things you're mm-hmm. noticing. I'm here. noticing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, metallic character can increase, and oh. uh, we've encountered some beers that have metallic problems. And I don't know what that comes from, but I've definitely encountered it. I'm so sensitive to that that yeah. it drives me almost nuts. But but it reminds me of that beer that we got from uh, was it Green King? Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was like uh, an 80 year old beer or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the Audit Ale or something. Yes, like that. exactly the yeah. Audit Ale that we found in the cellar. It was just sitting there like stashed in a corner. John Bexon gave it to us. Half, Here, you guys try this. Yeah, half broken, like just really, literally just stashed in a pile. Yeah, and we're like, ooh, what's that? That's really old. That's cool. And yeah. we we took it back and. It, it you was, could tell that the underlying beer, aside from this horrible metallic flavor, was tasty, but it was well, ruined because it. of that. All you could taste was metal, yeah. Yeah. Uh, earthy character increases. Mm-hmm. Straw character increases. Oh, okay. So this is, I think, a characteristic of uh, hops. They become more mm. straw-like. Okay. Uh, woody character increases. Yeah. Vinous character increases. Wine, yes. sherry. For sure. Uh, they say stale fruit, but just any... but. Like red fruits will increase, yeah. and that is that is definitely a positive, and that's that's one of the ones you're looking for. Um, meaty, like, and brothy flavors will develop, and this is a uh, thing called autolysis. Uh-huh. So, if there is yeast in the beer, um, particularly if it's a barrel, uh, I'm sorry, a, a bottle conditioned beer, yeah, eventually those yeast cells may pop open, ah. and their innards have a taste and it's this that's what it is oh, yeah it's this umami thing and um it's not always terrible uh sometimes in small amounts like if they're it's just starting to happen mm-hmm. it can actually not be so offensive and kind of give you a little something something not terrible mm-hmm. um, but it can be horrible it can be like soy sauce and not good yeah uh the cloudiness uh, we talked about earlier may uh, also develop and interestingly pale beers will darken and dark beers will lighten. So that's fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and those are chemical compounds that are affecting the color that comes from the the uh, malt. Huh. That's a fascinating list. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And we could talk uh, about some of these things. I tried to highlight the obvious ones like where oxidation and autolysis yeah. is happening. So, we've, so in this beer here, this Goose Island uh, Scotch Ale, 
one thing that I would say, yes, is that sort of toffee honey sweetness, uh-huh. but it's also blended in with that sort of bourbon barrel flavor characteristic. So yeah, I think that's definitely happening. Yeah. I think, I'll sip here. I think, I think most people would regard this as a better presentation of this beer than when it was fresh. Yeah. I think people would enjoy this better. Um, brewers will say, oh, this is oxidized. They will immediately taste that oxidation. Yeah. Um, and if you're super sensitive to it and you've developed a really negative relationship to it, which many brewers have yeah. because they they fear and hate <laughs> I know, they're, the they're, oxygen at this They're point. constantly at war with package, <laughs> dissolved oxygen in their packages. Yeah. Yeah. They may, they may not like that, but I, but I actually, you know, all flavors are negotiable and I think just objectively, uh, it's, or subjectively, aesthetically, I think it's a nice flavor. Yeah. If you hadn't pointed it out, I wouldn't even have, uh, identified it. Yeah. No, I actually think I, I quite like it. I mean, I'm not a big fan of big beers. So, you know, eight, 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 nine percent alcohol by volume beer is a little over my threshold, but, right. but it's, it's the flavor profile is really nice actually. Yeah. And it's really quite, quite uh, smooth and rounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pleasant. It's a, it's a nightcap beer. It's the kind of thing that I, I'd like to have in the yeah. evening yeah. around the fire. Yeah. That's the thing that's, that's, I mean, that might be part of my problem with these big beers is that I'm the only beer drinker in my family. Right. And they come in at the very, very least 12 ounces generally. Yeah. And that, I got to say, kudos, a, kudos to Goose Island. This thing is a 12 ounce beer as opposed to the one I'm about to open, which is an old bomber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 22 ounce. Uh, but yeah, I mean, two, three ounces of this at the end of the evening would be beautiful. Like I would love that. Right. But I, that's never how you get to, to enjoy it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think Christina would like it. So we got a luck. She would not. So another cool thing. Uh, about aging beers is acidity okay. is a preservative. Right. So uh, beers, barrel-aged beers that are, have been acidified, particularly uh, with uh, Brettanomyces, lactobacillus, that right. kind of stuff. So when you say acidified, I think sour. Yeah, sour. Okay. Exactly. All right. Sour beers age really well yeah. and uh, particularly uh, Guz from Belgium, <laughs> those beers hit their peak. They're they're kind of like Bordeaux. They hit their peak around five years. I okay. would say in the in the in the three to five years, they're amazing. Um, when I was in Belgium recently, I had an eight year old Harardin, mm-hmm. and it was spectacular, <laughs> so good. Um, and the first time I went to Belgium, I went to Cantillon, and uh, Jean Van Roy started pulling out his best stuff uh-huh. and the, the uh, piece de resistance. He pulled out this uh, five-year-old goose, which uh. was amazing. It was one of the best I've ever had. And, yeah. and it's because um, you have all these complex flavor reactions going on within the context of this preservative, right. this acid preserving right. uh, quality. And, and, and in these beers, they're still alive. So they're still evolving, but they're not uh, degrading. Yeah. And so they often do very well. So is that, I mean, you say it's similar to wine, but is that also true of wine? Is the acid content in wine that's particularly beneficial to aging? I have no idea. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> off, the re- off the reservation. I, I ain't no We'll get back enophile. to beer. <laughs> <laughs> but I would guess, I mean, the, um, uh, actually, I may, I may be able to hazard a guess because I know a little bit about cider mm-hmm. and the same qualities are there. The big thing about uh, wine is tannins, right? So yes. If you have a, a really, if you have a really tannic wine, yeah. um, this is true with cider. A lot of times, fresh, the tannins are brutal. Right. They're they're yep. just beating you up. Exactly, and you want those to soften, and they will harm begin to harmonize and soften as they yeah. go. I'm on. a really novice wine drinker, but that's what I always think is exactly that. Like like new wine, 
the tannins just sort of overwhelm you. And then old wine, those, they just mellow into the background and right. become, they become really nice. Yeah, a little peppery. Backbone, and, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a cider maker here in Oregon called uh, Kevin Slinsky at Easy Orchards, and he makes these yes. really nice high, uh, high, high tannin ciders. And yes. It, it's, a, it's a nice cider when it's fresh, and it is a world-class cider, one of the best ciders in the world at two years yeah. and beyond. And it just keeps getting better until it's a certain point when it drops off, just like wines. <laughs> All right, so we have, so this is the Cultivateur. Cultivateur. And this is? Saison des Provisions. We talked about these beers. The shoots. Yeah, we talked about these beers last uh, time. This is one of those uh, mixed fermentation saisons. Mm-hmm. So, and this was a beer that I named my Satori Award winner uh, two or three years ago. Ah, uh, your was, best beer of the year. My best beer of the year. It was an amazing beer. Blew my socks off. And I this, I bought, ver- this very beer, the un the unaged part, the unaged version, the unaged version. Yeah. Okay. And I, I bought a couple of bottles at the brewery at the time, and uh-huh. this is the second bottle. So now let's see what this is like. What this happens? Is, it's three years old. Okay. So tell me before you even taste it. Tell me what made you think it would do well aged. The acidity is uh, going to preserve it, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to see. Um, what would happen with the wild yeast? As okay. it continued to evolve. So it should be drier. Okay. Uh, we talked last week about how a lot of times these beers will have a nice presentation of sweetness mm-hmm. because they have regular young beer right. before they've right. they've, they've been um, blended in. That should be dried out now. But that should be dried out now. And um, some of the characteristics, it should be a, a more austere, uh, complex, the brett should come out. So it should be... In, in a certain sense, less appro- less approachable, you know, it won't, less less of a crowd yeah. pleaser, but maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe like more right. more, you know, for more beer geeky, and uh, so let's <laughs> see. Right, well, I let's mean, find out because it was one of your favorite beers, uh, you know, of all time at as fresh. So we'll see what. Yeah, happens. exactly. So, uh, and I mean, just right immediately, I smell this, and I I. I, I can't, there's not, oxidation is not nearly as present. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to tell that it's a three-year-old beer. Okay. Mm. Yeah, acidity. Uh, there's a famous brewery in Belgium called Rodenbach mm-hmm. where they make sour beers. And Rudy uh, told me that it is preservation by acidity, mm-hmm. Rodenbach. Mm-hmm. That's how we make these beers. Preservation by acidity. Oh, and, that's really uh, good. And, you know, I think you see that mm. in these these beers. These actually, I think the trade-offs, you know, with some of the, with the, when you're not dealing with acidity, you have trade-offs. You, you lose something, you gain something. Yeah. And it, with these, I think it's mostly positive uh, until, until they fall off. Yeah. I didn't have the fresh version, but relative to what we were trying last week, <clears throat> yeah, you don't have quite that, that underlying sweetness. Right. It's, uh, so it's drier, as you say. It's got a little bit more of a snap, uh-huh. but it's really, really nice. <laughs> yeah, it is really nice. It's nice, and it's amazingly, mm. it's got some sweetness still. Yeah, but just a just a hint, right? I yeah. mean, not not that present. What? Uh, let's see. Twenty seventeen. No, yeah, I'm looking actually for the oh the ABV. alcohol. Yeah, it's good, good, good point. I'm wondering because that's the next question I have for you is. Yeah, so that's um, the other preservative. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So when you're looking don't, to don't, don't list it. when you're looking to uh, age something, 
acidity is good, so sour beers will age better. Yeah, and particularly sour beers that have Brettanomyces, uh, mm-hmm. because then you're going to continue to have uh, the the function. The yeast will continue to act, uh, uh, engage other stuff and continue to produce flavor compounds, fresh flavor compounds. Yeah, let me just nice. stop you though. Is that like I mean, if you have a if you have a sort of a, a really funky Brett, like a really barnyardy Brett. Yeah. So if you age it, do you expect that those barnyard notes to sort of be some more subdued? No, they'll they get they more just, They really pop, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good note. So if you try something fresh right, <laughs> and you dislike those barnyard notes, don't don't age. It'll only get more okay. aggressive, yeah. Okay. Good, um, good, good advice. Alcohol is another preservative. Yes. So I would say uh, don't age anything uh, lower than 7.5% maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and the lower end, you want to age them a shorter period of time. So... You know, if it if it's a seven seven and a half eight percent beer, probably not more than two or three years is you know then it's gonna it's gonna fall apart. Um, and then the last thing is, I do think dark beers age better. That's not a hard and fast rule, but you'll get more of the harmonious degradation uh-huh. of when you when you're working with with dark beers, which is why barrel aged stouts are the ones that are are often aged. Right. But you know, uh, a nice fairly pale uh, barley wine will do great. Uh, triple. Um, a strong triple. Yes. There's beers that that will do fine. Yeah, and this is dark. and this is light colored. This is a straw. Yeah, and and if it's and if it's sour, totally the the color doesn't really matter. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Yeah, this one's really excellent. I have and, to say, I'm enjoying this a lot. And 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 if it's got acidity, it doesn't need to be strong. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the Belgian gooses are, you know. Yeah, I'd really like to know what this is. This doesn't seem that boozy to me, but it doesn't seem that boozy. I would say high sixes, maybe acidity. Low sevens. Acidity conceals alcohol perception yeah. of alcohol, so it's uh, a little bit challenging so, so to. Uh, well, it could, it could <laughs> be getting in danger territory. Could be, could not as be. I, I as I keep slugging this beer. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, so then we have one beer that. Um, that I brought that has been in my basement. I would have I would have guaranteed you five years, and then I pulled it out, and it's ten years. You're getting old because I'm an old man, and time goes fast. And I thought this would be cool. Let's see what a ten year old beer will taste like because it's probably going to fall apart. I probably waited too long, and this is the thing: if you do get a cellar going, my recommendation is don't wait forever. Like it's it'll impress your friends if you pulled a fifteen dollar fifteen year old beer out of the cellar until and then, they taste it. Until you taste it, then you think, oh, that's terrible. It tastes like soy sauce. It's muddy and gross. <laughs> then they'll smile politely. Yeah, spit it out. Uh, yeah, that's my problem with cellaring. I just don't. The whole thing. I mean, this is true with wine, by the way. I thought for a while I would. I would kind of build up a little bit of a wine cellar because I don't know, that seemed like what you do. You should do it, man. But no, I just, it's too, it's such a pain in the ass uh, to like keep track of this stuff. Ooh, that's good though. Look, I mean, that was good carbonation still preserved 10 years on. I know. So what you got to tell about this beer is. So we have here uh, a hair of the dog, Adam, and this isn't one of his barrel age. This is a straight Adam. So Uh, hair of the dog is a kind of famous legacy brewery brewery here in Portland, famous for its big beers. Yeah. Yeah, this is, in my opinion, uh, by far their best beer. Adam, mm-hmm. uh, it's in the beer bible uh, as a beer to beer to know. I put it in the old ale category, so it's a dark, uh, slightly smoky, ten uh-huh. percent beer. Ten percent. So the alcohol should be a good preservative. So if yep. if you're gonna have something ten years, a ten percent beer is probably a good cat. Wow, that's that's remarkable. Look at that head. Yeah. 10 years on and there's that much carbonation preserved. 
We're going to have to actually wait for that to settle down. That is amazing. <laughs> that is remarkable. Oh, yeah, it's pours like a fresh beer. <laughs> it sure look does. at that head. It's got a really tight, tight bubbles. Yeah. Wow. Not floppy and old or anything. So because we're on radio and podcasting, this is, uh, Jeff just poured it. He poured about <clears throat> a third of a, well, a third to a half of a, a, a shaker pint. And uh, it's got about a, an inch, inch and a half of, of good frothy foamy uh very thick rich head there and can you see the clarity it looks to me like it's pretty clear isn't it yeah that's that's hot that i gotta get away <laughs> i got to both lift up the beer ah it is it yeah. is actually quite clear i mean it's quite a dark beer so it's hard to know but i'm now holding up to the light and see it's quite red but um it's not it's not cloudy at all nice so, so it's, it has preserved very well so i imagine that you've done a good job cellaring so we'll see if yeah. it can last for 10 years Actually smells really good. <laughs> I was, I was waiting a, for you because there's, the, there's a little bit of oxygen a hint, in there. Yes, a hint of oxygen. Even I can tell that. Yeah, it's not it's not overwhelming like no. I expected. No, ten years is too long. Basically, <laughs> you should not leave any beer for ten years. I don't think. But still, we have to give props to uh, uh, to Alan for for packaging the beer so well. Wow. <laughs> I brought this beer because I wanted an example of a beer that had been cellared too long. Oh, that's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It is not cellared wow. too long. I could sell that for a hundred dollars. Damn it! What have I? <laughs> You've what, opened what, it. What, what a fool am I? Well, you could sell the last, the second half for fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I do have another one, so call me. <laughs> wow, that is good. That is so good. I don't. I mean, I get a hint of oxidation oxidation on the nose, but not on the tongue. There's and it is really rich and beautiful i mean that smokiness is still present mm -hmm. i wonder if that acts as a little bit of a preservative mm. um it's the the flavor so one thing that will happen the funny thing is i don't even particularly like fresh adam that much oh well you just have to wait 10 years exactly so now i buy know a case and put it in the basement and it's not because adam's bad it's just that it's just not the kind of beer that i like yeah but that one ooh. so one thing that happens mm. with these beers is they will they will uh uh the flavors will get muddy and yeah. you'll lose lose the articulation. Yes. You can't like yeah. you can't tell what kind of malts are in there. You can't tell what the hops taste like. Yeah. It just kind of becomes a muddy, gooey mess. That is not happening here. No. These are the flavors are remain articulated and clear. No, that's wonderful. Wow, Alan. <laughs> so Alan Sprints. You missed an opportunity. <laughs> that's pretty good. Okay. So don't wait ten years unless you, I guess you're doing Adam and then it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. But probably you would get something similar after five, six years, right? That's right. It is a crapshoot. So I was um, at Full Sail back when Jamie Emerson was the, the he was the founder and uh, he was the master brewer for yeah until they sold that brewery and not related by the way he spells it wrong. That's right. Two M's. Uh, <laughs> he they at Full Sail they kept lots of their big beers mm -hmm. and he pulled them out and he told me an interesting thing. So he 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 uh, he has a far greater uh, sample size than I have. Yeah. And he says, bottle by bottle, uh, depending on how this the cap is seated and where you happen to store it, like there's a whole. Once you get it in that bottle, it becomes its own ecosystem, right? And even if it's from the same batch, you're going to get bottle to bottle variation. So if you pull out the other atom, it might suck. That's right. Uh, that's, I'm glad you brought this one. That's right. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. I am too, because. But that's uh, fascinating. Actually, it's really interesting. It is really interesting. So you can just put a six pack down in your larder keep it there for six, seven years and, you know, two or three might be wonderful and two or three might suck. Yep. Huh. Yep. 
Fascinating. This is amazing. There's no autolysis. There's no degradation. It's very impressive. Okay, what beer. do you mean? What's autolysis? That's that uh, soy sauce thing. Ah, uh, right. So, yeah. no. No, I taste no off flavors at all. Yeah. It's not muddy at all. It's still quite sharp, bright flavors, but really blended beautifully. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's wonderful. That's pretty <laughs> it's really good. It's probably the best atom I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, that's extraordinary. Well, there you go. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, so uh, the upshot is, oh, and just a, a couple of other things. So if you if you are aging your beers before we, we zip out of here, uh, you may encounter beers that are crown and cork versus uh, yes. bottle. Okay. So the cork is permeable. And yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. you do not want it. You don't, you don't want to store your beer, your cork and cage uh, beers upright. Right. For very long. Think, so you know, sink, sink champagne, right? That's right. Yeah. If you're going to do it for, you know, a couple of months, few months, it's fine. No problem. But if you want to let that sit for 10 years, you want to get the, uh, the you want to lay them down so the beer will touch that cork right. and keep, keep it, it wet. wet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the old wine thing. The opposite is true if you've got crowns because uh, keep them dry yeah well yeah you want that you don't want that metal you don't there's some chance yeah, so they have they have a, yeah, yeah. a rubber sealer but Make if that degrade yeah, yeah if they if that seal somehow gets in touch with the the metal you're going to get a metallic gross oh, thing so yeah you want to better that it just not touch that at all all right so let's let's try to summarize so if you're if you're thinking about a good candidate for for aging a beer yeah it should be a couple of things good good highlights right High alcohol or high acid. Yep. Uh, darker, better, typically than lighter. Yep. Uh, lower hop profile. Well, unless continue. I don't know. Unless unless the hops are very intense. So there's the, yep. there's these old school American uh, barley wines like Foghorn and uh, Sierra Nevadas and Rogues Gold mm -hmm. Crustacean. Right. And they're just undrink absolutely <laughs> undrinkable when they're fresh. You know, they're they're super boozy and they have you know five thousand IBUs. Right. And you really need those suckers to settle uh -huh. down. So yeah, the I you want those to you want those to settle down. Yeah. And then uh, just because we're talking about this on the flip side, like uh, these days, uh, like many people, I'm having a lot of really modern IPAs, hazies, things like that. And I, I start getting nervous if I've, if they've been in my fridge for a couple of weeks, like two, three right. weeks. Like, right. So on the flip side, there's all this category of really modern new beers that you want to drink as fresh as possible. Yeah. And I think that's, I think part of, part of the knowledge here is get the beer. If you buy beer, get it into your fridge. Don't let it sit out. Yeah. Because warmth is bad, yeah. Uh, and drink fresh beer, fresh, and drink aged beer, aged. Like don't, <laughs> don't. It's the uncanny valley. Keep right. beers out of the uncanny valley. Yeah. All right. I'm going to take a pause for a moment uh, and uh, thank Breakside Brewery for sponsoring the Beer Vana podcast. In 2020, Breakside is launching a new series of one-off IPAs in cans and draft, including BioTransformers. Winner of an Oregon Beer Award gold medal, Biotransformers is a hazy IPA featuring Galaxy, Citra, and Simcoe hops that create a profile saturated with passion fruit, peach, and grapefruit. This beer kicks ass. Uh, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> looking forward to trying this beer. I, I had this beer at the brewery uh, the last time I was there. Uh, just randomly, I was at Slabtown where they have all these different IPAs. And, yeah. Uh, I was having them bring me tasters and I had this one. I was like, okay, let's do a pint of that bad boy. That is amazing. Yeah. And when I saw the, and when it won a gold, I was like, yeah, totally. I'm yeah. When I saw the Oregon beer awards come out, I, you know, I quickly scroll down to my favorites, like a Pilsner and there's Freem. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because Freem's 
not brand new, like, but right. it's a kick-ass Pilsner. Uh, and then of course I go to Hayes. Like, I want to know what, like, what's the, what's the, and, and honestly, I did not expect Breakside to be there, yeah. even though I think that what Rough Beast is maybe my all-time favorite Hazy, but so if, if it's better than that, then, oh. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's better than that, but it is, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, or, uh, or, or in the similar category. It, it's in that. the similar category. I, I, to my palate, Breakside, and I talked to Ben Edmonds, the brewer there about this, and he says they really, when they made What, what, what Rough Beast, they did keep the IBUs a little bit higher. Yes, and then he, like he says they've been dropping them, but mm. for, for Biotransformers, I felt like it had a balancing, uh, bitterness that really worked. So, uh, I, your, your mileage may vary, but I felt like it had, uh, enough bitterness to make it really all harmonized. Well, so. personally, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to this. And it has nothing to do with them bothering the pod, by the way. Uh, yeah. yeah. This is going to be good. Exactly. Uh, it won the Golden Oregon Beer Award, so you know it's good. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Uh, are they going to be packaging it? Do you know? It's in cans. Oh, ooh, they're doing cans. So this is the one thing about Breakside is they've been but, in bottles for so long, they haven't been doing much cans, but I'm really excited they're doing cans. And they're they're rotating through. So this is their, uh, what do they call it? Their one-off, the, they, they have a name for this. Oh, it's a series. Um, but they A come, series of one-off IPAs. Yeah. Well. It, I think it has like the Seeker series or something ah, like that. Okay. It's got a name and they yeah. come in these cool sleek uh, silver cans ah. and they're they're rotating through fast. So you got to get, you got to get <gasps> out there and get them fast. So. Yeah, are, they, we mean, are they only sold at the brewery? Are the, the pubs? Are they uh, you don't know. I don't know. Oh. I know that they are. They are sold at the pubs. Okay, but right. well, <laughs> I don't know if they're only so, sold. So the, at the safe pubs. way is to go. The safe, the safe approach is. Uh, the by safe the way, way is not to go to Safeway. Go to the brewery. <laughs> yeah. By by the way, uh, that's the other thing I would say. Talking about aging beer and the flip side of aging beer, the really fresh beer, is um, I'm just a complete devotee of cans, especially for these new fresh hazies and stuff. Cans are just such a good preserver. They're they're definitely uh, better. Although we should have Van Havig on here because he disagrees that, know, uh, that they're he better. Is. So yeah. and he's mentioned it. You can go back and listen to the Van Havig podcast. Yeah, and get his take on it. I respectfully disagree. But I will. But my say, experience is different. I'll put it that way. I, I do think that if you if you can buy these cans at the brewery, they're going to have relevant to what we just talked about. They're going to have been cold the whole time, right? And you're 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 going to know that they're going to be handled well, and you're going to get a really fresh product. Yeah. So it's like buying buying milk from the farmer. That's what you want to do. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the mailbag and the sherpa? Let's do it. Oh, let's start with the sherpa, man. What do you have on tap for us today? Yeah. I, I was going to wait and mention my Herardin, my eight-year-old Herardin that I had in uh, uh, Belgium right. a few months ago, but I already blew the, <laughs> I already blew that. But I do think that um, the so one of the best deals in beer are Belgian uh, Guz, which are uh, beers that have uh, lots that spontaneously fermented lambic beer. Yep, three-year-old, two-year-old, one-year-old beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herardin is weird. They do uh, two-year-old, eighteen-month, and twelve. And one one year old beer, so mm-hmm. they do their own weird thing. But yeah. you know, Belgians all do their own weird thing. <laughs> um, but they're they're, they're tra- Belgians after all. Come on, that's right. But they're they're traditional. So um, you, you got your Driefont Fontenin, your uh, Bone, your Cantillon. These are your classic producers. Yeah, uh, including the blenderies like Tilken. Um, buy these beers. They're crazy cheap. They're cheaper than American versions of the same stuff. You wow. can get a, a Bone Mariage Parfait, which is uh, a, a good, well, uh, one of the best, t- it's a Titanic beer, an amazing beer. You can buy that thing for $8. It's, I think, 
375 milliliter for right. $8. You know, buy, buy several of these and put them in. This, it's a great way to get a, a, a your your seller program going uh, cheaply and with relatively low risk because these things are definitely going to not taste horrible. Worst case, they're going to be like, well, it was probably maybe I should have drunk it a little earlier, but you'll still enjoy it. So, so, I, so great beers to, to age. And then what, what's the, what's the peak on you? How, how long? I would say five years for these beers okay. is really, you know, you can go longer, but, um, you can go as long as five years yeah. pretty safely. And, and I think that's actually a good kind of target. Yeah. Uh, and, and you also, uh, drink them along the way. I, mean, I was going to say, if you want a fun experiment, yeah, exactly. buy five of them, Yeah, drink one now, one in a year, one in two years, one in three. This is That's ideal. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's how you get to learn about these. What I've learned is I always keep my cellar uh, beers too long. And <laughs> I, I feel like I know that's the thing about sellers for me. It just drives me nuts. Oh, like, yeah. when do I drink it? Do I drink it now? Do I drink it later? It just gives me stress. I don't need the stress. And then, and then I pull over, I pull out a 10 year old Adam, Adam and I think and it's, it's like, amazing. it's going to be totally amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, it's a revelation. So there you go. You All don't right. know. That's, that's the argument against me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dynamic beverage. And you don't know when that entropy is going to strike. Yeah, that, you just don't know. That's the fun. It's a, it's a, it's an expedition. But that's actually, uh, I hadn't thought about this before. But it's actually, I think, probably m- some of the best advice, which is do it, do get multiple, yeah, get multiple bottles and try them along the way. That's what I do. I have, uh, we well, this was all inspired by uh, our uh, commenter John McGuire, who asked a question about uh, a series of uh, beers that he tasted in in a vertical, which is a great way to do that. Yeah, I've done various verticals uh and that's a way you can start to develop a, a sense of when these beers are going to be good or bad and what age does the beer like right. how, how does it transform after one year after two years, after three years, after four years yeah i yep. can yeah i could get actually i could get into that sort of that the scholar in me likes that exactly that's what that's maybe, maybe i'll go get me a, a mari- mariage parfait and i'll go get five six of them yeah i'll throw them in my basin all you right will, you've inspired me you will not <laughs> you inspired me you will not regret it my friend <laughs> all right let's turn to the mailbag so the first mailbag entry comes from colin Luz. Spelled like goose. Spelled, spelled like goose. So I'm going to pronounce it like goose. Luz. Colin may, is clearly a cool beer guy. And maybe loser. Right. I don't know. But he comes from New York State. <laughs> yep. No idea where? Upstate. Because yes. uh, the thing that I did That's not include here it. was a long dissertation on where upstate New York began. Oh, I'd like to know his, his take. <laughs> I was thinking to save that for another beer, another mailbag so oh, we'll, we'll right. do we'll do this one now and we'll do the 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 long dissertation on regional uh designations later yeah because we uh, obviously we mentioned this in the past yeah, I, I live, yeah that's that's why he was talking yeah. about it i think it was a corrective i think you were probably you got something wrong and so well no it's all a matter of this is subjective but i lived for five years in in central new york in ithaca so this is how this yeah is how it comes up right? well, and when i visited omegong in cooperstown i said are you an upstate or not and because that it was it's it's kind of nowheresville it's like like you yeah look at it's, it, it's, like, it's more west than up it's more west than north yeah and and this is what this and is I the got, whole point I, I got answers all over the map exactly so this is my point <laughs> there is no settled upstate new york yeah. i mean if you're in new york city upstate new york is up the hudson right that's, like, right. that's everything like, anyway all everything right. above tarrytown yeah but it really is like north from the city yeah. so you just basically follow the, new, to the hudson river and that's upstate new york and then there's central new york which is the western part and then there's western new york which is buffalo and right 
Anyway, yeah. we're getting off track. Okay, let me actually read Colin, <laughs> Colin's, Colin's mail. All right, on, on whether seltzer is craft, shortened for brevity. <laughs> Was I supposed to read that? Uh, it wasn't in italics. Usually the stuff I'm not supposed to read is in italics. So. Yeah, sorry, sorry. The whole thing has been shortened for brevity. All right, here we go. Through. Uh, quote, I can taste the difference between chocolate chip cookie made with butter or with margarine. I can taste the difference between vanilla and artificial vanilla aroma in a no-bake cookie. Is a so-called craft beer made with artificial peach aroma a craft beer? Of course not, since the person making it didn't use the craft of getting the peach out of a beer. He used a plug-and-play option to fake it. I'm not a photographer simply because I can swipe through filters on Instagram. So there you go. That's one opinion. So well, let's go back. So the point was we were talking about what is craft and what is... F okay, so this goes back to our seltzer pod. Mm -hmm. And seltzers use flavors. And right. we had this discussion with uh, Reverend Nat at the time about what is an artificial flavor and what is a natural flavor. And they're all created in a lab. And then we got into this idea about what is craft. Is it craft if you use a, a lab, a laboratory created flavor compound? If you use the white buckets. Yeah, you use the white buckets. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and so this is a, it's a fascinating Fascinating topic. He clearly comes down on the side of, no, it's not craft if you use the white bucket. It's yep. only craft if you go to the source and derive the flavor from the source itself, which I respect. I Maybe respect right. that. I respect that too. And I thought it's we probably would, my It's probably my definition, by the way. It, it's probably mine too, but I, I would like to hear, especially let me appeal to folks to offer the alternate view. Uh, maybe there's, I, I would like, I'd like to hear the alternate view. So, yeah. uh, Especially in this era of pastry styles and things like that, right? Which, where there's a lot of white buckets involved, I think. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And people are much more congratulatory about those beers. So yeah, watch, watch. Well, yeah. If you're, you're going to okay. start, you're going to start making rules. Be careful what you, how you do that. All right, this next one is all for you, Jeff. All right, have so fun. This also comes from the same uh, podcast, referring to the same podcast, Nat. Uh, referred to, we were talking about the sweetness perception of the seltzers. Yes. And he said, I think rather loosely, he referred <laughs> to the attenuation of uh, the seltzers. And our friend Alan Taylor out at Zoigel House, who is a technical a brewer, uh, trained, as he said, uh, we at one point referred offhand to German trained brewers as having been trained at Weinstefan. And he's like, not everybody was trained at Weinstefan. I was trained at VLB in Berlin. So it's not the only brewery. Or it's not the only uh, university where you can be trained to brew. So, uh, sorry, Alan. Uh, he has a big and, and actually quite nice, uh, but delightfully pedantic correction that I'm going to read in, in toto now. Alan is fantastic, by the way. One of my favorite people in beer. <laughs> we, well, we're both of a scholarly bent. And so, of course, we literally love what Alan <laughs> exactly. is throwing our way. So, all right. Uh, I will read it in total. Uh, since alcohol, I love this especially. I never heard this. Since alcohol has a specific gravity of 0.789, you can have a solution that has a lot of alcohol has an overall apparent gravity of uh, 1.000, which is water, but still has residual sugar. Starting with a regular 12-plater Plato original gravity, which is 1048, if you're using the other system. Specific gravity. Yep. It is uh, fermented to zero-plater Plato uh, uh, apparent attenuation, that is 1, uh, 1.000. Uh, you will have produced around 64 
0.5% ABV, but you will still have 2.28 Plato of real extract left behind. In order to go all the way down to zero sugars, you would have to end up with a uh, negative 0.28 Plato reading or negative 2.8. Uh, no, sorry, thank you. Yes. Or point nine eight eight nine standard. Uh, it's gravity, gravity, of course. Thank you. Yeah, Every, everyone knows that. Some somebody got out his calculator to figure this stuff out. So there was a, <laughs> knowing Alan. No, probably he just knew this stuff. Yeah, it's pro- <laughs> actually the truth is with within this embedded in this long email. What were the math calculations? <laughs> so he, yeah, it was all it was all right there. He showed his math. The theorems and the proofs. Yes. So there is a small but important amount of sugar left behind. They are providing mouthfeel and a touch of sweetness, and since it is sugar, not starch, that is measured in these seltzers instead of dextrins that are left behind in most beers. Uh, the target at 100 calories for 12 ounces are coming from the alcohol and that small amount of residual sugar. So he he's pointing out that uh, a, a really important thing when we – people have a little bit of sense of uh, – starting and finishing gravity in beer. Right. But because uh, alcohol has a lower gravity than water, right. uh, there's a difference between real and apparent attenuation. And it's something that we don't talk about that much. And we can loosely, we can get it wrong if we talk loosely about it. Like if you get down near uh, 1.000, you're like at full attenuation. But right. It's, but it's not actually it's the not case. It's not full attenuation. Yeah. Ah. And he was pointing that out. And I, my guess is Nat knows all this because Nat is a uh, professional fermentationist. I'm but, sure he uh, does. Yes, yeah. but um, but anyway. So there you have it. Was it was a wonderful opportunity for us to get into the deep weeds of apparent attenuation versus there, real attenuation. There you have it. If you call one one full attenuation, know that there's still some residual sugar sitting around. It's not exactly the same thing as water. That's right. There is some residual sugar, and that's where you get a little sweetness from your seltzer. And I have a I have a cool tale regarding Alan Taylor, which is that uh, I am told that his children listen to our podcast in the cars they're driving around wait do you know their names uh, i do i i oh man uh, i once did hey alan taylor's so, kids sorry hey, alan taylor and killer hey, alan, alan taylor's, taylor's kids, kids sitting in the back seat rock on baby yeah <laughs> i'm so sorry that i've forgotten your names but hans and franz uh yeah uh <laughs> alan's wife is uh, german and the children speak fluent german and i try to pronounce the uh bavarian uh or the, I'm sorry, the the uh, Berliner Weiss maker uh, Schnee. And I said it. it. You're I, I do it, it again. I, I did. And I'm, I've horribly murdered it. And apparently they went into peals of laughter at my uh, corrupt mispronunciation. So we're keeping we're keeping the uh, the young the young set of German speakers uh, entertained, which is basically all I ask. Yes. All right. Uh, go to bed, Alan Taylor's kids. <laughs> That's right. No, I don't know. You're in the car. Keep your seatbelt on, Alan Taylor's kids. There you are. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Alan, for for chiming in. Yeah. Uh, it's good to- It's to, a good corrective. Yes. Everybody should remember that. We should stay in the straight and narrow. Okay. I think that puts a bow on this show. Indeed. I was about to say podcast, but it's a show. It is a show. Once again, we want to extend a hearty thank you to Breakside Brewery for sponsoring this episode of the Beer Fauna Podcast. You can find them in Portland and Milwaukee, Oregon, or at breakside.com. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us. Five stars, please. That helps other listeners find the show. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so please keep populating that mailbag. Thank you very much for your questions and comments. Yeah, you've been great lately and keep it coming. And it's Yeah, it's good. This is starting actually for a long time. We had a very barren mailbag, but yeah. it's actually starting to, to, to fill up. So I really appreciate your, your comments. Uh, really appreciate your questions. Um, anything that comes to mind, suggestions, great. 
bring them along. Jeff at beervonaplog.com is the email to use. Or if you prefer Twitter, you can uh, uh, reach us at beervonapod. Jeff blogs at beervonablog and he tweets at beervona. And Patrick tweets sometimes at uh, beernomics. It happens it once happens. in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Look for it. It's like finding an Easter egg. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you never know what you're going to find. Uh, yeah. It'll, it'll appear in your notifications once in a while. All right, Jeff. Uh, we're going to cheers. I have, what do I have? I have the Cultivateur. And I have. shoots. I have Adam, man. You have the 10-year-old Adam. I've been I've been sipping oh, this too. Boy. I'm feeling warm. Yeah, mm. I know. Good stuff. Way to go, Alan Sprints. Actually, all three of these aged quite well. So yeah, there you go. But Good particularly job. the Cultivateur and, and particularly Adam. So yeah. All right. Nice stuff. Cheers, all right. Jeff. Cheers, Patrick. Cheers.